I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. It's time for episode number 327 of Video Games Hot Dog, a podcast where we're all over the place. Guys, we're all over the place. Oh, so over the place. I'm so over Almost four different states. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the East Bay and the West Bay are two different states. We've had exactly this opening conversation before. Probably the last time uh, If the Six Californias initiative had gone through, we'd be in two different states. Ah <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Which ones? Uh, w- really? No, the, I think this is the same. San Francisco. And I think it would still be the same state, actually. But the nine Californias mm. initiative, though. Okay, yeah. that's a lot of Californias. Well, it would be a lot easier not to enough. build interstate burrito tunnels if there were nine states in the current area of California, right? A, oh, that'd be a fun a hobby. Like if you lived right like on the, a, if you like lived on the state line, you could just dig one in your backyard. Riff, you just need to read the Alameda Waukegan Burrito Tunnel. Uh, yeah, we got to put that in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I went back to Arizona for ZapCon and also to uh, pack up all of my childish things so that I can not put them away, but in, instead move them to San Francisco once and for all. Uh, I've spent the last three days disassembling lego sets and putting them in bins and boy are my thumbs tired we we saw a stacked a bunch of stacked legos on the wall those bins like they they're they're big plastic objects that like fit together perfectly like uh i don't know like like some kind of analogy some metaphor for lincoln logs yeah there you go like a plastic lincoln log um so yeah, th- uh, that's that's all all I've been doing. Oh, also I uh, after after living in a variety of scorpion infested houses for fifteen years, uh, I finally got stung by a scorpion for the first time. Uh, oh yeah, nice. They didn't, rec- they didn't recognize you anymore. They thought you were. Oh a yeah, yeah. They, they no longer uh, they no longer uh, respected my position as the Duke of Dementia, <laughs> which I just achieved in Oblivion. Uh, okay. <laughs> they- <laughs> which I'll talk about later. Uh, I, yeah, so I always, when I come back here and, you know, no one's been in my bedroom for a few months. I, no one better have been in my bedroom for a few months. Uh, I always, like, check. I, I, like, shake out my pillows to make sure there's no scorpions in there. And I, like, take the sheet off the bed and make sure there's no scorpions in between the sheets. Uh, also make sure there's no scorpions in the streets. Uh, although that's too big of a job. But uh, I was I woke up at like 4 a.m. and my leg hurt real bad. And I thought, ah, crap, did I finally get stung by a scorpion or did I have do I have some kind of blood clot that's about to make me have a stroke uh, or a pulmonary embolism or uh, get the uh, fucked up leg like house on house? Uh, But uh, in fact, it was a scorpion, but I had to take the fitted sheet off to find it so i think that the scorpion was concealed underneath the fitted sheet oh, and wow. stung me through it wow uh, when, I, when i rolled over on top of him um that's stealth so yeah, that sucked it i like for years i was so paranoid and scared about getting stung that i was repeatedly tempted to just find one and let it sting me so that i would know what it was like and not be afraid of it anymore and i'm actually really glad that this happened for that reason uh, because it wasn't that big of a deal. Like, it hurt, definitely. And it weirdly, like, continued to hurt to the exact same extent for, like, 15 hours. 
but it but it wasn't that bad. It was like way less than a bee sting. It was mostly just sort of like numb and kind of like little electrical jolty feeling on my whole leg. Do they have but, like a time release capsule of venom that they insert into you or something? I don't know. It's just like some really long acting weird nerve agent. Yeah. For bugs, it's a para- for bugs it's a paralytic. What if uh, um, what if this had instead of using its like C or D sting, which apparently it did? What if it had used its A sting? I don't get it. Well, because you said it wasn't B as sting. bad as a B sting. Oh, so it had to have been using so, like so, a, if a it C or as, a D. So. No, it, that would be if it wasn't as good as a B sting. See, that's why I didn't get it. That's <laughs> because you had it backwards. <laughs> no, I, th- I think I have it right. I think you're just thinking about it backwards. Uh, so you're saying that an A sting is the baddest sting because what the what the scorpion is trying to achieve, what, what I mean, what he really wants is to get into Vassar, but right. uh, you know, Brown <laughs> Brown is a fallback stinging school if he can't make the grade. Bad for you is good is is good for the, uh, the environment uh, scorpion. Gotcha. Okay. All right. You've convinced me that your joke was good. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the most important what if, uh, skills for a comedian is being able to persuade people <laughs> yes. that your jokes work. Mm, and this is why uh, this is how my stand-up set goes every Friday. <laughs> that would actually be a kind of a funny act for like like a five minute stand-up routine is one joke and then trying to convince the audience that it's a good joke. Four and a half <laughs> minutes of argumentation. <laughs> Yeah. Debate me. Sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Wait. Okay. So what's another high concept stand up act? You just walk out there and demand that people heckle you and your entire act is just responding to hecklers. Oh yeah, sure. Okay. We saw do you remember the Max FunCon we went to where there was a variety of high concept stand up acts that you hated? <laughs> Was that the title of it? So there was Andy Daly's thing where he, it was like a five minute set where he didn't say anything at all. It was just like idiomatic reactions to the, like these guys, can you believe it? I'm telling you. It's just that for like five entire minutes. Yeah. Uh, Oh, was that the same same one where Andrew WK gave his talk? Oh, right. Yeah. There was also that Andrew W.K. act that you hated. But also uh, Dave Shumka did like a weird set where he pretended that he had an invisible twin brother that nobody else could hear. I don't remember that one. Ah, it was good. Is it important that he's a twin if he's invisible? Yeah, I think it was. It came up. (laughs) I don't really remember. Um. All I, you know, there was just the repeated insinuation that the invisible twin had said something extremely racist uh, that nobody else had been able to hear. Um, anyway, what yeah. have you been up to, Kevin? Uh, switch port. I've been working on the switch port of West of Loathing. It is. Uh, it's coming along real well. It's just been a lot of work. It seems like you've actually been like working on the game rather than working on the process of getting things submitted and all that, or is it both? It's yeah, both. you posted yeah, a you posted a changelog entry of remove the eleven worst jokes, and I was like, oh no, what if one of those was my favorite? <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
But don't worry, I've replaced that, them with we... 11 different jokes that are probably just as bad. Have we done <laughs> that? As good as your have we done that patch note joke? before? <laughs> uh, I don't know. They're not as bad as they're not as bad as his B material, that's for sure. So that's so, that that does seem like all you've been doing. Thank you for your service, Kevin. Yeah, I mean, it's Victor's doing all the heavy lifting. I'm just sort of fixing bugs that I can and testing things. You're coming to Arizona pretty soon, and then we're going to have ZapCon. ZapCon, April shit. I don't remember the date. It's Mesa Convention Center. Uh, <laughs> April it's this, shit It's this seventh. coming weekend. So, so the twenty, it's 21st and 22nd, Mesa Convention Center, Mesa, Arizona. Uh, so come to that. We have a lot of video games, and mm -hmm. you can play them. And there are pinball machines, too. Can you play those as well? Nope. Those are just for looking at. Uh, they're all, we decided people love having a bunch of the pinball machines roped off and limited to tournament play. Uh, so we've decided, let's just do that with all of the pinball machines. <laughs> yeah, that was always real good. <laughs> now that the weather's getting nicer, Man. we got to get downtown and play more Twilight Zone pinball. It is good. Oh, I thought you were going to say you had to come back to Arizona for ZapCon and also to visit your, your good friends. Oh. You know what I'd like to see is pachinko mods for pinball, where they just dump a bunch of balls on the table and see oh, what happens. And st stand the table vertically, <laughs> or, or at a slant, at a deep, at a deeper slant than the usual slant. Oh, you mean just like ad modifying modern pinball machines to be completely non-interactive? Yeah, <laughs> I feel that would be hypnotic. I guess you could. You could probably, maybe you could put extra uh, like a bunch of bunch more balls than usual into a pinball machine and rig it so that it just always had a ball on deck on the plunger so so you can yeah. just always be alternating your right hand between firing a new ball into there and working the flipper so you would well, i don't like even want to touch the flippers i just want to watch a bunch of balls bounce around Oh, okay. I think you would need to randomly trigger the flippers oh. or like have the flippers act as though they were slingshots uh, just to get any meaningful action out of it. Because most of the stuff that the pinball machine was capable of would never trigger. That's true. Oh, good point. Because they'd all they'd always be falling. Yeah. Um, I mean, that seems like a worthwhile project, though. I can ask the I can ask the pinball technicians. At Zapcon, if they if they think they could uh, set that up for you, <laughs> well, I won't. I'm not going to be there, so you'll have to Skype me in. We could get you one of those uh, telepresence robots. Yeah. Okay. See but if the, see if the Zapcon game. technicians can do that too. Hmm. What have What have you been up to, Jim? I uh, ate some more soup. Sometimes Ben and I we eat soup. We get together. It's a hobby. Published. Uh, have you published an account of it? Uh, no, um, we're, I'm working on that. I edited one and realized it was the worst of the batch, and so I'm going to do a different one first. Wow. Does it? Is there no the sense worst of, of like all of them, or just the new batch? <laughs> the worst of the new batch. So there, we we make we shoot four at a time. We um we shot in half the time as usual this time because like we both had schedule constraints on either end of the thing, so um we just muscled through it and did everything in half the time as usual and uh turns out that's a terrible what you idea. said about 
about not even letting the giving the problems time to happen actually worked out perfectly. <laughs> um, there were no issues with this shoot, whereas like last time when we had like eight hours to do four episodes, we were you like pour, plagued with problems. Do you pour the soup down a chute instead of just eating it out of a bowl? Well, if the chute is my throat. Oh <laughs> right, okay. You do you think you would get more or less views? If the videos were just like ASMR narration of you pouring cans of soup into a toilet and flushing it. I think we would get more views if our videos fit into any discernible category, including ASMR. So, yes. Could you just could you just publish versions of the videos that were the same video, but with ASMR narration? Ah, uh, yeah, we could, we totally could. Would oh. you remove the other sound? Would you just? It would just be I, narration. Yeah, get rid of all. I was I was imagining that we would uh, loop our existing audio with ASMR audio. My uh, my ex girlfriend always wanted you and I, Jim, to do a video games podcast that was the Sleepy Time Lullaby video game podcast, <laughs> where we just talked about video games, but in a very very soft voice i don't know why i don't know why the other two weren't invited it was always just me and you uh, i think she might have some fantasies going on <laughs> yeah or maybe we just have the deepest voices could be oh, yeah that's true. oh that's true. um oh what about you riff what's new in your neck of the woods uh i've been working on a thing that i'm probably not allowed to talk about and, that's true uh oh the um the our weekly uh tabletop role-playing game thing got kind of interesting i i think i kind of talked about that a little bit where the uh the role-playing system we're using is called iron kingdoms but i i think i said that the gm was planning to do a different uh different world just on that rule set but it turned out that what the world he had planned was was the dark souls universe so that's turned out interesting wait i thought it was i thought you had said it was like modern day but there was still magic that's what that's what the setting of iron kingdoms is but he's just using that rule set and to to uh to do his own game world which he has modeled on dark souls or actually i don't know if i think that actually becomes dark souls canon when gary does it because of uh, bonfire side chat oh yeah that's true the official the official from software podcast I, I don't know if i don't know if the uh i don't know if our gm levi i don't know if he made this up himself or it's if it's something he found on the internet he calls it dark kingdoms uh so Anybody who's interested in that can maybe look it up and find it. I don't know. But it yeah. Your role playing cool. group has a general manager? Yes, yes. And and uh like it's one general manager and then we've got some middle managers and the rest of us have little cubicles that we roll our dice in. Okay. Does uh does this setting allow for the comedy barbarian that is the only character you will ever play in a <laughs> oh, that's tabletop true. role playing game? <laughs> That's just you know. Uh, I guess one you were just you were just saving your a you were saving your a material for other gaming groups. <laughs> I mean, when what we're playing is explicitly a one-off game, I don't put as much work into thinking of a guy. 
So comedy barbarian. That's cool. Is a what good default? What kind of uh, what kind of character are you playing in this tabletop game, Riff? Uh, I am playing a um, the the character class I started with is called the pugilist. He's like a boxer type guy, but his backstory but funny. is funny. Uh, what? Oh, a, yeah. Yeah, you've made a, it up. Funny a, pugilist. A punya, a punulist. Punulist. Um, he uh, he's from a country with like absolute economic disparity, and uh, the solution that the government of that country has uh, has figured out for the okay. So the 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 main thing going on in the world is the undead curse from dark souls right so nobody ever dies they just if you once you've died you become undead and then the more times you die you get closer and closer to just becoming a mindless zombie so the uh the world's population like all the different countries have different ways to deal with this but the main one is that undeads get shipped off to this island in the middle of the ocean this sort of cursed island but this country that my guy is from, what they do is they throw undeads in the gladiatorial arenas. And then once they become too hollowed out or too uh, uncontrollable to manage in the arenas anymore, then they ship them off to the island. And so my guy was imprisoned for beating up a rich asshole and uh, went through the gladiators the gladiatorial arena matches for a while and then got an opportunity to meet that rich asshole again and killed him at which point they killed my guy and turned him undead and shipped him off to this island but yeah it's a pretty interesting game can in the dark souls universe or in this universe can undead breed uh you know i don't think that's ever been explored or at least it hasn't been explored in the FromSoft games, and we have not explored it in our games, so I don't know. I wonder what would happen. I wonder if the yeah. child would be undead. They don't have bathrooms in Dark Souls either. I mean, kind hmm. of everywhere is a toilet in Dark Souls. So. A fair point. Oh, they just everybody just goes to Blight Town. Yeah. But you never see anybody pooping. You never see it. They just pretend. Nobody, they just miss it. Nobody so they ever act says, it out. I'll be in Blight I'll be Town. right back. I gotta go drop the kids off at An Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys think from software, if the intended reading of that is this the same as, for example, the intended reading of like Origin? <laughs> hmm. I don't know. I, I I was imagining a sort of Abbott and Costello bit about uh from software and that game company. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like, yes, the who and aha. Oh, that's good. The guess who is in there also. Oh, and the the. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely also, the worst the white name. stripes. Did you guys hear about the airline accident that happened? like yesterday no no it was it was the first uh u.s commercial airline fatality since 2009 apparently but it was uh the southwest flight that one of the engines just exploded uh while it was in the air and the way that the the person died was that a piece of shrapnel broke one of the windows 
and she was like partially sucked out the window. Wow. And the other passengers grabbed her and brought her back inside, but she later died from the injuries. Wow. That she sustained from that, which was nuts. They, I, uh, someplace, I think maybe Boing Boing or something posted a <clears throat> transcript of the air traffic control conversation. It was pretty amazing how, like, chill everyone was and just like all right let's just calmly get done what needs to get done like hmm. i'll uh i'll link to that in the show notes it's pretty impressive i mean it's only impressive in in the sense that like it reminds you how hard that job is and how good you have to be at it to have it in the first place right but uh yeah now it's bonkers I also didn't realize that there hadn't been a commercial airline fatality in nearly 10 years, which is pretty yeah. crazy. Like, Well, you don't that remember that like kerfuffle a... last year when Trump claimed that uh, because of his rules and regulations that, that there had been no... Oh, right. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. no issues or whatever, and like everyone was like, actually... Yeah, but I mean, I knew I knew that there hadn't been like a, a crash. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know what other... I don't know what else would have created a fatality, because this was weird, right? Anyway, yeah. So yeah, that was that was cool news. Hey Riff, uh this is gonna sound like I'm making fun of you, uh, but or that I'm about to make fun of you, but I'm not. You tweeted something about Pokemon the other day that made me interested to have you explain it. Oh, uh, about the the breeding and stats systems? Yeah. So you said that there is in Pokemon games a very, very complicated breeding and stats system that is exposed to almost no one who plays it. And I'm curious partially about a kind of just a a cursory description of what that system is, but mostly like why it's there and why most people don't see it. Um, I think why it's there and well, it's. I, I, I don't know, like, which of these is the chicken and which is the egg, right? But most people don't see it because it's, uh, it's it, because it's only really necessary to give your guys perfect stats if you're playing competitively against people who've also given their guys perfect stats. Uh, if you're just... like it, like in play, player versus player, but also right. let's put it, let's put a pin in that for one second. Are you saying you don't know which one is the chicken and which one is the egg to suggest that you don't know which one came first? Right. <laughs> because that implies that you do know the, between the, the chicken the, and the egg, which one came first, which means that you can. The, the other. Oh yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> so I guess these are both the chicken and the egg. The, uh, the other clause of that, the, the one that is the, the egg or possibly the chicken is that um, the the reason that the stats are complex in the first place, or possibly the second place, <laughs> is because um, they wanted individual um, like individual guys of the same species to still be distinctive from each other, like so that you could have a strong Pikachu instead of all the Pikachus having the same strength. Do what? What do those differences manifest as in terms of actual combat behaviors? Because I was under the impression that the numbers in Pokemon were not like Final Fantasy big. They're not like Final Fantasy big, but they potentially go into like the low three digits. I see. At the at the high end. Um, so I mean, does a does a good does a better Pikachu just like do 
slightly more damage on average with basic attacks or yeah it could it could do more damage or it can be uh faster or have higher defense uh it has like faster just determines order of order of uh, yeah, who gets the order first of turn who goes okay um in a, order of who gets their their attack off first in a given round um it 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 just has the the six basic uh jrpg stats so it has like hit points and speed and defense and magic defense and attack and magic attack right but each of those six stats also has uh two values associated with it one value is called the iv which is like the i guess kind of like the his genes it's it's like a number that is fixed when that pokemon is generated and can't be altered but you can potentially pass it down from parents to offspring and then the other the other number associated with each stat is eevee which is um which starts at zero when the pokemon is born and accumulates as it fights different number different monsters throughout the game so like if you if you defeat a Pidgey, you might get plus one to your speed EV, or if you beat a Charmeleon, you might get plus three to your special attack EV, right? And so your okay. whenever a Pokemon levels up, the number of of bait of raw stat points that it gains for each stat is based on like a mathematical function that's based on that stat's IV value and its EV value. And like the base stats for that species of Pokemon, and then there's like a, a fourth thing that is the Pokemon's basically the Pokemon's personality, which gives it minus ten percent to one stat in exchange for plus ten percent to another stat. It's a, it's it's just this... then if I remember right, the IV and the EV values you can't actually see them; they have to be inferred, right? Um. That that is, that used to be true. Um, in more recent games, like I think you have to get, I think you have to beat the main ca- uh, PVE campaign uh, to get it. But you do get a viewer that will show you the IVs, and I think you get the, I think you get the EVs from the start now. Okay. But but it doesn't tell it, and it doesn't tell you them numerically though. It, it just it, it gives you like one of those little star graphs. And just said, if you have like it, the maximum IV is thirty-one. So if you have thirty-one in a guy in a guy's hit points, instead of saying thirty-one, it just says best. So, so yeah, you do kind of have to infer it a little bit. And why do you breed them? Um, breeding them. And what happens when you breed them? Breeding. Them, I mean, you know, I don't. Yeah. Well, nobody actually knows. Just the eggs kind of magically appear because but the Pokemon company is not willing to explain sex to small children. But um the what happens when you breed them is the 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 parents uh pass down a random three IVs to the offspring, or if one of them is holding a, a particular special item called a destiny knot, then they pass down five of their IVs. So if you theoretically have both parents have that that have six perfect IVs on both of them, then you can pass five perfect IVs down to the offspring, but you still have to crapshoot the sixth one. 
So you end up having to breed eggs over and over and over until you manage to roll a 31 for that last stat. Um, and, and breeding also determines, because the, the different moves that Pokemon can use, um, you can get, like, like, say a move like Earthquake, which a Pokemon is only going to learn at, like, around level 40. If both of the offspring's parents have Earthquake already, then they'll pass that down to that guy, so he'll come right out of the egg already knowing it. Um, and then, and there are also moves that a particular, they're called egg moves that a particular species <laughs> can't gain naturally, but that, but another species of Pokemon can get. And so if you breed, uh, like say, I say, I want, um, acid spit on a whooper, right? Whoopers can't learn that naturally, but, uh, such and such other Pokemon can. So if I breed a female Wooper with one of those other things that knows Acid Spit, then the child Wooper will then know Acid Spit. So you can get you can get monsters that have moves that they would not ordinarily be able to use that way. So the fe- the female determines what species the offspring is. Yeah. Okay. I mean, this sounds so much more interesting than anything I have ever seen or heard about Pokemon. Yeah, before. it's it's kind of wild. The, the I mean, the, I guess the downside, a game that was just that would kind of suck. Yeah, but <laughs> true. The downside is that it's kind of grindy because if you if you really want perfect ass guys, then you end up just like holding down a button and running in circles while watching TV, waiting for like a million eggs to hatch. So you can look and see if any of them are the guy you want <laughs> and throw the rest. Right. Away. Right. Because they don't, the, the, the breeding is based on the, the time passing for breeding is based on how many steps you've taken. Right. Wow. I, it would be interesting to make like a, well, it would be interesting for them to make something like a like a pokemon manager game right which was just about breeding and assigning mm. teams but then you just were like all right here's your here's what you've got go play an entire game of pokemon but just like i'll press a button that says go play a game of pokemon yeah and then i immediately get feedback saying what all happened <laughs> well yeah you do like a uh oh man you could mm, you could set that up in like forum kind of situation i mean we could just tell riff what to do yeah i was gonna say you'd need to recruit a bunch of guys willing to play those games of pokemon (laughs) and then do like a fantasy football kind of thing Uh. if there was money involved i can imagine people getting into that no like a salty bet but yeah. Uh, oh, I wish I knew yeah. the name of a Pokemon that sounded like Salty. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know offhand. There's probably Wooperbat. Wooperbat, sure, why not? But yeah, actually, that's yeah. Is that, there... That's what I've been. That's that's pretty much all I have to say about video games this week. Because that's all I've been doing is making eggs. Because I'm I'm trying to build a team of six perfect Whoopers to play through the main campaign with. And because whoopers are kind of fragile, because uh, 
they're they're meant to evolve into a stronger guy. So if you don't let them evolve, they're not really great in the late game. Uh, so I've been trying to get a set of them with with perfect stats to make that that goal kind of feasible. You should put on your online dating profile that you are good at making eggs, uh, because <laughs> that is that is something that has generated a lot of interest in my experience. Uh, and then you would have the added uh, a benefit of being able to say a surprising thing about it if they ask. People really respond to the line, I make good eggs. Yeah. It's like there are just certain things that like act as successful kind of conversation hooks. And that was like it in a just like list things that you're good at. Oh, like cooking eggs. <laughs> okay, I had to, yeah. yeah. I was like, wait a well, minute. Well, right. That was. <laughs> How does to me, that just sounds eggs? like such a, I don't know, such a, like, stay over and I'll make you some eggs kind of like lead-in thing that. That it, oh, I'm, huh. I'm surprised that that doesn't like trip more sort of red flags or whatever. I, I don't I guess if, I, I mean I guess dating like is all about there has to be something else fire. creepy there has to be something else creepy to contextualize that as creepy okay but I don't know I mean maybe <laughs> I, I just only get messages from women who like creeps your dress on the floor <laughs> <laughs> uh was your father of was your father a line cook because I Want to make eggs? <laughs> I, mm. I'll, no, I'll just I'll just stick to I'll just stick to what I've been doing. Okay. Well, since we've been talking about video games for the last fifteen minutes, should we segue gracefully into talking about video games? Sure. Of course. Uh, the only thing that I have played is additional hours of Oblivion <laughs> and Hearthstone. I guess the Hearthstone expansion came out. Um, so we could bore you guys by talking about the Hearthstone expansion for a minute. Okay. Kevin, what's your favorite thing about the new Hearthstone expansion? Uh, the deck that I have enjoyed the most, but it is super inconsistent, is a, is a Battlecry Shaman deck. There's a card... There's a new broken-ass card. It's pretty broken. Yeah, there's a card that... Uh, <clears throat> in the Shaman... There's a legendary Shaman card that will replay all of the Battlecries that you have played this game... Uh, with random targets um, and so I've had a couple games where I've had I've played maybe 20 prior Battlecry cards and then played a card that doubles the Battlecry of the next card you play and then played this Shaman card <laughs> so it does all 20 of those things and then does them again uh, God. which is it, the turn takes like ten minutes because it just a ton of stuff just it keeps happening. It's yeah. It's, there's also another shaman legendary that a lot of people are using in here that like t- puts all of your other minions like puts copies of them back into your hand. Yep, and, and they cost one, and you can have that. Effect yeah, trigger. so you just end up making infinite <clears throat> copies of the thing that replays all the battle cries. So the next yep. turn lasts forty five minutes, God, except yep. you're you're always dead before it finishes. It's really. It's very easy to beat someone that's playing that deck if you have a deck that kills them before they get it going. Yeah. And it takes quite a while to get going. Yep. Uh, but it is like, it is really annoying to lose against when you lose <laughs> against it because of just because of how long it takes. I, like, I'm 
glad that they were willing to release something that was potentially as broken as this, but I mm-hmm. genuinely hope that they fix it somehow. What what is what do you mean like, by I hope fix they prove it? Well, I don't know. I think maybe just if they didn't if you could play it once, but it didn't just let you Make set it. yourself up to play it infinitely the next time. What if they just didn't penalize sure. people who quit out of a match against a guy playing that deck? <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be fair. There's there's a couple of there's a couple of I think objectively interesting things that they're they're trying here. Um one is well, actually, both of them are. There are two legendaries that give you significant power-ups at the beginning of the game if your deck only has even mana cost cards or only has odd mana cost cards, which I think is pretty interesting to just like put a kind of an arbitrary constraint on past cards and future cards for a specific kind of deck building, which I just always think it's fun to just dick around and build decks with weird constraints like that. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else just like weirdly like interesting for any other reason than like the way that it interacts with the existing body of knowledge of the Hearthstone metagame. They added a bunch of echo cards which are cards that you can cast uh, as many times in one turn as you have the mana for. So if, if I have a two cost echo card and I have eight mana I can cast it four times. Um and that those are potentially interesting in various situations. Uh, yeah, places where you get some, where you derive some other benefit from every time you cast a spell or whatever. Yeah, um, they combo interestingly. Um, my uh, my time in Oblivion has been. Uh, I just went to the, and I think I did this once before a few years ago and talked about it, but I didn't get this deep into it. Um, I started doing the shivering isles uh dlc for oblivion which i it is i imagine kind of like if you started playing fallout 3 after all of the dlc had come out and you like the first thing you did was go to the point lookout stuff which was Mm. sort of dlc that was its own new map but that was made by people who were kind of at the top of their form using the tools that they had used to make the game and so everything is just a lot denser and a lot more confident and there's a lot more sort of specific bespoke interactions between things and way less just here's another nearly identical dungeon um but you're it's like the 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 daedric prince of madness uh which there's a bunch of like i don't think you would be able to make this stuff today like it's it's weirdly i i think ableist is maybe the wrong thing to criticize it as but you don't there's just a lot of just weird like oh haha these people are crazy in a way that's not really earned in terms of its kind of insensitivity and it's also just like this is you know even 12 years ago everyone knew that this was not how mental illness works at all mm-hmm. but uh yeah i don't know it's it's weird to see the game touch on and i mean i don't know it's also weird that like no one cares about all the murder <laughs> you know, but but this is a this is a thing that you would uh i think i think they would catch a bunch of heat 
whether it was deserved or not for releasing this kind of thing now. Yeah, I was just uh, uh, I was just watching Lethal Weapon, which is from like 1987, I think. And Lethal Weapon is a is a movie that, among other things, is very like performative in its not like I'm not racist because they've got this buddy cop movie with a black person in it. Um, and like so, some of the movie is about that, but also like it just drops the casual homophobia like left and right. It's really it was really surprising to hear when I'm going back to it. I think that was really rampant yeah. in the 80s and and early 90s, honestly, and it's you just didn't notice it when you were especially a kid at that at that time and now looking back it just it's like a lot of things cause me to cringe when i'm sure the first time i didn't even think about it you know yeah yeah and i wonder whether it was like it did it reach a peak in the 80s and 90s or was it even worse than that going back further i mean i if i had to guess what was going on culturally it would I would guess that as it became more and more acceptable to like be gay in public, that you got more and more sort of pushback against it. Yeah. Although I can't, I guess I can't say that the same thing is happening now with like transphobic jokes. Cause I feel like there's just straight up less of that now. Yeah, we were in one of the slacks I'm in today. There was actually a short conversation about look, look how far, like, even just ten years ago, the media and and games were a lot more transphobic than they are now. And I guess, like before that, in a in a way, um, it being addressed at all is a step forward, as opposed to like this is something that is so, um, so like marginalized that nobody ever even thinks or talks about it yeah it makes me wonder how much of it there was in stuff like from the 60s say that was so unfamiliarly euphemistic to us yeah yeah that that like we just wouldn't recognize it as like a polite homophobic slur right oh like how like in the in the 50s if a character in a in a novel or movie was referred to as a as a uh, uh what was it a confirmed bachelor you knew that was coming <laughs> that yeah. he was gay right um wasn't was there not like a fallout perk that was confirmed bachelor um I mean that sounds like a like name of was... a, that that sounds like I can imagine that being the name of a Fallout perk but I don't specifically remember it. I I want to say that they made gay versions of the perks that let you get the like not romantic but like seducer oh, okay. dialogue options against characters of the opposite sex but like, maybe I'm making that up. Lady Killer and Black or maybe that Widow was a... or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I think it was, I think maybe at some point, like, or maybe New Vegas added. Yeah, the the perk gives uh, like, males an additional 10% damage bonus on other male targets. Huh. And more dialogue and that's it? certain male characters. Oh, more dialogue. Okay, so it is it is just the gay version of Lady Killer then. Okay, that's cool. That, that was, that's what that phrase always makes me think of, actually, because I think maybe that's the first time I ever encountered it. 
but yeah, and I guess I guess like euphemisms from the fifties is kind of where they go with yeah. the writing tone there, right? Um, but yeah, so I've been doing all these, uh, doing mostly the main storyline of the Shivering Isles, which is really long and elaborate compared to my memory of the main storyline from the main game of Oblivion. Um, but it's a there's a lot of like go here to this dungeon and get this object and bring it back but then there's a lot of like pick which which of the two like opposing the teams of mania or dementia you want to like do this ritual for or like you know go like figure out who's behind the conspiracy to to kill this one member of the court or whatever uh, a bunch of conversation stuff does the uh, there's does a lot of oblivion have a canonical ending cuz i feel like they refer to certain things happening in the in the quote oblivion crisis or whatever unquote in uh in skyrim i think not in the this is very self-contained like I this see. is like an entirely different map um the character i remember you can get the guy's uh staff in skyrim but I don't remember if you actually meet uh, Shea Gorath, who is the the sort of main character, the like Daedric Prince of Madness. Wabajack is yeah, his no, you, you, there's totally a, there's does... a whole cutscene. It's like a whole area where you just you're just talking to him. Actually, I did that quest not too too long ago. It, like, how does that, how does that work? <clears throat> uh, you are looking for somebody, and you get teleported to a sort of <clears throat> woodland area, and there's a there's a table where he's talking to somebody and uh, he's just, you clearly become obviously he's crazy. And then you have to go and do a bunch of tasks sort of out, out in the woods, but it's this sort of whole self-contained little dimension that you can't get into or out of uh, except through this one quest. And doesn't the staff just like randomly transmute enemies into other kinds of creatures? I don't know. I've never used or it. something. <clears throat> I got the impression that it was just sort of like it's, a staff of wonder where it would just have a different effect every time you use it, but but maybe I didn't I didn't even bother. Yeah, I mean I think it's it's primarily like just a goofy thing instead of a um I don't know. I'm having a lot of fun. I mean, it's like the because I've never really dug into it super deeply before, it's kind of like having a new Elder Scrolls game, which is something that I always want. Yeah, are they just not uh, going to do single player games anymore? Was like Skyrim the last one? And well, Fallout, Fallout Four, four. Uh, yeah. Elder Scrolls. They, they've wasn't they've got to be working on a new one, yeah, right? I, yeah, it would be. I don't think it's crazy for them not. To. Don't they like? Haven't they been alternating between uh, modern Fallout's and and you know Skyrim or whatever? God, I would love to see, and I mean, this is probably never going to happen based on vague feelings that I have about the way that that relationship went, but it would be great to see an Obsidian-developed Elder Scrolls game. Oh, yeah, that'd be amazing. Everybody would talk about how much better the story was than Skyrim. <laughs> but yeah. uh, Elder Scrolls Online wasn't even, that wasn't, that wasn't Bethesda, was it? That was like a different team, I think. Yeah, I think it was a different company. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought that that was Bethesda. So, so then that team has not been diverted into Elder Scrolls Online. So now I'm even more confused on like what's going on. I guess it takes just years and years and years to to build this stuff. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if a lot of them didn't make Fallout Four 
Yeah, I yeah. Didn't ever what what Riff said earlier, <laughs> like that that has been what they've been doing for the past decade or so, is alternating Fallout games and Elder Scrolls games. I mean, only in the sense of like it was Oblivion, Fallout Three, Skyrim, Fallout Four, right? Yeah, which I guess that's been more than ten years. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that counts as a pattern. So yeah, that's that's it. Uh, just going around. I, I've stopped using bows and started using a cool sword I found. Cool. What's cool about it? Uh, it's 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 impossible to hotkey, so that's sort of annoying. Hmm. Uh, because it, you get it from you, you like go get this dungeon back online for the Madness Prince, and then once it's back online, you sort of make your way to the control room of it, and a party of adventurers comes through it, and you decide what, like, traps to trigger against them from the platform where you're sort of watching them. Uh, And it is, you can either kill them or drive them crazy. And if you drive them crazy, apparently they stick around elsewhere in the game as NPCs. Uh, so that was the one that I chose. And I think either way, you end up just getting the magic sword that the warrior orc guy in the party was carrying. And it is, it's Dusk Fang and Dawn Fang. It's a, it changes into a different weapon at night versus during the day. Oh. And if you kill enough enemies with it, like when you kill stuff with it, it tells you how many enemies you've killed with it. And if you kill enough, it says that its bloodthirst has been quenched, and then you get an upgraded version of it on the next day-night cycle. But it requires more kills to get the upgraded version every time. Hmm. I gotta say, Zach, that's just, way cooler a sword than I was expecting you to describe. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's like actually a, a mechanically interesting and narratively interesting sword. Um, yeah. Which, man, those are the things that are, I mean, and maybe those are the things that are remarkable about Elder Scrolls games, specifically because of their rarity. You know, the things that are like, this is the only sword that looks like this, yeah, and this is the only thing that behaves like this. That's absolutely a real thing, like that that a special thing feels more special because it's surrounded by a hundred hours of mundanity. Yep. So maybe Skyrim is actually the best Elder Scrolls game because it provides so much mundanity against which the handful of very special things can stand out. Right. So Riff hasn't played any games. Kevin, have you played any games? Uh, I played this sort of weird uh, multiplayer online infinite minesweeper game. Yeah, I played a little bit of that too. (laughs) I was the only one who figured out how to scroll around the... I was on my laptop when you guys were talking about it, and I couldn't figure out how to pan the screen around <coughs> with a trackpad. So. Uh, you, you sort of click and hold, and then and move. Mm. There uh, wasn't the. How does it? How does it work? Wasn't there uh, like another you, so, one of these a year or so ago? I don't remember. I feel like there is. It's it seems familiar, yeah. but. Um. I don't exactly understand how it works. There's a, as far as I can tell, there is just a, a limitless, boundless grid of squares, and it's just pre-populated with bombs or not. And as you click on them, you can right-click to mark a 
the location of uh, the suspected location of a bomb or you can left click to declare that that should not be a bomb and you are just filling in space just like you would with minesweeper except the fact that there's also other people playing on the same grid i i saw briefly somebody else doing some things but i just immediately went to a different area and then never saw anybody again if you um, blow up, does that just end your game? But it, then you can just go back. Didn't I? I accidentally hit a bomb after playing for like half an hour, and it, I didn't stop. Yeah, it it reduces I, your score. I, so you get a yeah, score for okay. every every space you uncover, and then it subtracts a bunch from your score if you hit a mine. I see. And then there's a leaderboard, which I was always on the bottom of because everybody else had zero points because they weren't playing. And I had like negative 200 points because I hit a mine to try to find an empty space to start with. <laughs> that is the sort of like weakest aspect of the design of Minesweeper, right? Yeah. Uh, I think I think most good Minesweeper clients make sure that the first thing you click on is not a bomb. But yeah, but that's not right, enough. But even if the first thing that you click on is a number, that's not enough, right? It's like... I guess that's it true. just means that the second move becomes the thing that you have no way of knowing whether it's going to kill you or not. Sure. I mean, I guess the thing to do would be to generate, like, when you click, just generate patterns until that click would reveal 20 additional squares. Reveal or a viable starting point, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've been, so I, I've, I've been continuing to play, um, what was it, Dungeon Sweeper? And I've just started off, like, every time I start a match, I just start by tapping the screen a bunch. Just, like, until a, a, a bunch of spaces open up. And uh, if I uh, die in the meantime, I just restart. And it's a shitty way to start, like, it, like the fact that I have to do that um, to get the what I have decided for myself is the optimal experience is, is pretty shitty. But, like, it's, but it, it was you that decided that. That's true. Um, do, it seems like a game that was made more recently than Windows 3.1 Minesweeper would have, you know, it, like, it seems like anyone making a Minesweeper game would have also thought of that thing that we just thought of, <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah, I like, well, I, I guess I haven't played that many Minesweeper games since then. I would imagine like the there are a bunch of diehard purists who want it to be the way it the way it is. Um it, it yeah, there's no like obvious simple way to handle it. Um and that's probably why people just uh, people just keep doing what has been the standard behavior. What else have you played besides that Infinite Minesweeper game, Jim? Uh, I um I played the uh, Witcher Three expansion, Hearts of Stone. Um, Gary and Cole really talked that up like it's a like it's a transcendent thing. What's it What's it all about? I I, I liked it. It's it's a a deal with the devil kind of a story where um you you're not the one who makes the deal with the devil, but you are like party to it, uh, and you um. You like kind of you you watch it happen and you are you're doing missions as a part of of 
as a result of this deal and you see like the ramifications of it and also it reflects on your character like the the most amusing quest in the game is one where Geralt is uh possessed by a ghost of this party animal dude um and you get to see Geralt like you 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 continue to play play Geralt but Geralt like in cutscenes he has this the personality of this guy who loves having fun at a party uh and so you get to see what Geralt would be like if he were a fun dude to be around uh which is like which works really well in contrast to his normal personality which is very like uh withdrawn or or restrained rather um and uh, but, I think of him as being kind of wry and not devoid of a sense of humor. Is that? Yeah, no, you're right. Just... There's some of that, but it's still like, it's not like this guy. It's not like he's not dancing. You know, he's not like joining a square dance and, and flirting with every girl in the room. Um, The, the bummer is that like, this is a, a 10 hour thing. As opposed to The Witcher 3's, um, you know, 80-hour thing. And the bummer part of that is that you can't really, uh, for a number of reasons, you can't really just play it standalone. Like, one is that you, for example, wouldn't appreciate that Geralt is just is kind of a restrained dude. Um, because you haven't mm. been hanging out with him for a while. And another is that, like, it starts with some pretty tough fights i was even playing on the easiest difficulty level and they were still pretty tough um so like uh, i think you would need the uh the experience from playing the main game to to get through that stuff in terms of player skill or in terms player of skill like yeah avatar progression player okay. skill like it when you start the game when you start the expansion it actually gives you the option of like um it, they, I think they tried to create the affordance of someone who wanted to play it, play just the expansion and not the main game, because it allows you to start with like, here's a basic level 30 character with some equipment, but it's just not very good equipment. And it's like, uh, I went into it with, um, with my like level 35 character with much, much better equipped than the, uh, than the like the basic one is, and I still had trouble with those fights. So I'm not sure that works. Is, are there like new kinds of enemies and stuff? Like what? There's a, there's a whole, what is the content? There's like? a, a ton of new content, uh, a lot of new story content, um, which is like, yeah, cutscenes, enemies, missions, a lot of missions that aren't part of the, like it, this, it doesn't just add new like story quests for, to tell this one story. It also adds a bunch of new, like, just find some new contracts out in the world. It adds those as well. It just, the game just gets generally bigger. Um, but yeah, the new um, the two boss fights that it starts with are, I would say, both pretty unique fights. I hadn't done anything like those in the main game. That's cool. Yeah. Are you done now, do you think? I there's another expansion. I might get back to it. I'm not sure. Um I am Is that the blood and wine one or whatever? Yeah, yeah. That one's supposedly longer, so I it depends how much time I want to spend with this game. I'm already like eighty hours deep. 
which is ridiculous. Um, but like, I I gotta say, I th- I feel like it earned it. Like, I feel like most unlike most games that I have spent eighty hours with, I don't feel like I wasted my time, which is nice. Wow. Well, what is, is the that a, is, is that, what is, is the that psychological everything? distinction? I'm just curious though, like, what, like, is it that the writing is better? Is it that the the craftsmanship is superior? Like, what what makes it so that you don't bemoan your sunk? Time? Yeah, I, I do feel like it is like, and I, I I wouldn't actually say that I feel like I wasted my time with Skyrim either, but I would say that um the the density of interesting content is way higher than you would find in for example a skyrim okay and i'm not sure how they managed that it may just be a much bigger budget like i uh witcher 3 apparently cost something in the in the vicinity of like 80 million dollars to make and that was in poland Jesus. where cost of living is way lower wow how do you invest that much in a video game and not freak out? You know, <laughs> I, I... Well, I mean, I think that the the series had done pretty well for them. Well, the series right? had I mean, done they, well, they and also a... that's the company that uh, runs GOG. Oh, I huh. don't think GOG makes any money. Okay, that's possible. Like, seeing seeing the revenue that West of Loathing got during a week when we were in their top seller charts like i should say if you take away the witcher 3 i don't think gog makes any money okay like because you you can buy the witcher games through gog which makes a ton of sense but like it it was a like a tiny 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 fraction of steam revenue even at the time i wonder Um, if i wonder if um they just have a much steeper curve like maybe the first two or three games on that list make a tremendous amount of money compared to everything else. Yeah. I mean, I think the first, the top two or three games are always the witchers, but maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. It also maybe it was just, it was really surprising. It was, it was surprising to me at every juncture, how rinky dink Gog seemed to be. Yeah. Well, certainly like that's, they're a tiny fraction of valve, but valve makes an incredible amount of money like a truly stupendous amount of money and right like half a percent of that is still a lot of money <laughs> fair enough yep they're it's they are working on that cyberpunk that big giant open world cyberpunk rpg now aren't they Ooh, yeah that sounds that? right i don't know much more about it than that but that's what i've heard yeah, I don't either. It, it it seems like every time I hear about it, it's like, no, it's still years away and they haven't really revealed anything about it. Yeah. But, man, I I like the idea of a Elder Scrolls cyberpunk game. Mm. Yeah. I mean, not that The Witcher is that much like Elder Scrolls, but... Have any of you guys played any of the Shadowrun RPGs? I played wow. the Super NES one. <clears throat> oh, or do you mean the more recent ones? I played the first one. Uh, any of them. Yeah. Oh, oh, right. I forgot about that. I have I played those. The uh Frightened Rabbit. What's the name of that? Hairbrain schemes. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh Frightened Rabbit's the band. 
Yeah, I know. I know. I, I just I don't know why I associated it with that, except I do know why. Right. Um, yeah, I had kind of forgotten about those. I meant the older. There's like it wasn't there a Sega Genesis one that the duck feed guys are always going on about how great it was. I remember trying to play the Super Nintendo one and repeatedly bouncing off of it every time I tried for some reason. And I don't exactly remember why, hmm. but it was one of those things like constantly getting into a fight that there was just no chance that I was going to be able to win. Like I feel kind of the same vague tone of experience that I've had with the divinity games where I don't understand how people play them because my experience is I'm constantly accidentally getting into fights where enemies just one hit me (laughs) that there was no way that I was ever going to win. And I don't get how that's like, it seems to happen to me no matter which direction I go, and I don't understand how other people are like avoiding that, especially if they're playing on not the most trivially easy difficulty level. But I mean, maybe you're just supposed to save all the time. I guess. Or maybe it's just supposed to be okay to get killed and lose. Maybe the game is only like an hour long. It's just really, really hard. <laughs> right. Well, at the uh, at the risk of having a fairly short episode, should we talk about our assignment, Pato Box? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. I had some trouble I, uh, with it because it, it wouldn't rec- it wouldn't recognize my controller and didn't have any sound. Did you guys have sound? Yeah, no, yes. a, a pretty good music huh. soundtrack. Well, that's a bummer. So, Pato Box is a fully black and white game where you are a duck uh a human with a duck's head and you uh, your interaction with the world is limited entirely to uh occasional dialogue tree options and punch punch out yeah i want to i want to point out like when i went into this game i was expecting it to be a punch out clone and so when you lose your first match and then you're dumped into a world to run around in that was a big surprise for me that was actually really neat yeah me too um, I was really impressed by that world too. Like every poster or piece of art that was on the wall of every room that I went into was like absolutely worth looking at. The graphic is, design was it, really spot on. Yeah. 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 It kind of reminded me how rare that is in things, right? Like there'll be one painting on the wall and then that painting will also be on 400 other walls. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Uh, but I guess with this, you know, that like, I guess sort of the same freedom that we had with West of Loathing, like the assets were so small and so relatively easy to create that they could afford the time to make more stuff unique. Um, I, I got like, I really wanted to keep playing the game, but the first real boxing match, I just couldn't win. The uh, the boss fight, like after like half an hour, you you fight another uh, yeah, there's like a woman. There's a woman who keeps like summoning these like electric yeah. laser beams. Yeah, I got stuck on that too. Yeah, yeah, I, I just couldn't. I. I just couldn't I win that fight. That's... I knocked down one of the paintings, which I think is like maybe halfway there or something. I think it's a third of the way because I yeah. I managed to knock down two of the paintings once, <sighs> but it's but then it just it just migrated to a harder second form right the 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 room falls away to reveal a boxing ring i see this is yeah and then you just get like (laughs) 
I, I didn't even get <laughs> yeah, that I don't know. far it, because of the, the trying to control it with the keyboard felt so, I don't know, so weird to me, but I, mm. uh, it has a very limited set of controls. Like it wasn't, it wasn't really that bad. Yeah. I just, I can't, uh, I can't control a guy in third person 3d with entirely on keyboard. It feels so rough to me. But I'll I'll, I'll get it I'll person. get it on Switch and and maybe it'll be better there. The the lack of it's strafing. awkward to move around anyway. Yeah, because you can't strafe. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, and it's it's interesting that like all of the, like almost all of the stuff that you're looking at that is of any significant amount of detail is just a like a billboarded sprite that's always facing you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, including like there's a there's like a hostess at the restaurant who's like pointing the way towards tables and they just like put her in a corner. So you can't like make her point the wrong direction. <laughs> Except like there are things that there are billboarded sprites that get put on the world that don't rotate in relationship with the camera with you. And it, and it becomes immediately obvious and very weird. Like whenever there is a, like a dialogue bubble that pops up into the world, if you, you can like rotate around it and it, and it gets very strange, very quick. Um, oh yeah. right, yeah, it gets it. I, yeah, I do remember those things often being oblique to the camera. I also yep. kind of had a hard time like figuring out how far away I was supposed to be from anything. Like yeah. I always had to get way closer to objects than I expected to to interact with them, and I was always like, d- like dodging things that I didn't need to dodge, or like having a hard time avoiding things in the environment because I couldn't really tell the depth differences between things. Yeah. It's, I'm bummed out that that fight is so hard, though, because I would really like to play the rest of this game. It's got, it's not, it doesn't have the sort of strength of world building that, like, a Brendan Chung game has, but it is, it's going for the same thing, I think, right? It's just got, hey, this world is really weird. Here are some signs for products and services and and businesses Mm -hmm. that would exist in this weird world. And it doesn't really explain any of them, right? Like, it's just kind of there. It, the fact that there is a bunch of writing gives you too much context uh, I, I, for it I to have that same the, kind of blendo air of mystery. But The writing was a little bit better or cleaner. It, it, there were a lot yeah, of things that felt, felt like non-native English speaking. Yeah, yeah that is, was it my def- observation, a, too. It felt it's like a, not. Uh, it's a, a Mexican uh, company who I meant to have the name here to quote, but I don't. Uh, but but yeah, a lot of it felt like they just they didn't have a guy to to translate the translation into what a guy would actually say. Yeah, it it felt especially at first like kind of like Floor Kids, like a game that this just like if you told me that Elizabeth from Bioshock Infinite pulled this game in from a slightly <laughs> divergent parallel dimension i would believe you like that's kind of what it feels like or like a i don't know like a zx spectrum game or whatever like just a yeah it it feels like a game that came out of a different tradition like i had never seen and this is weird right there's a million games like mario there's a million games like zelda i had never seen a game do that with punch out right yeah it's Mm. super cool and that, that seems that's like now that now that i've seen it once it's really surprising to me that this is the only thing that's ever done that that maybe there's stuff I'm not aware of. Well, but you had to have that. You had to have the like realization that oh, we could just have this be the in, like the interaction model in a fully realized 3D environment, right? Like, 
and then because it's, it's, it's interesting sort of, to see you can't what punch high out of the yeah, world. Yeah, exactly. And it's also weird to to sort of see like okay, well, given this limitation of of all I can do is punch things, like what is the gameplay going to be like? And so there's a lot of like here break a hundred objects in two minutes and like punch punch of a lot of objects to to sort of in this room to open the door and that kind of thing which is fine it's it's not really it doesn't feel so inspired that i like it was really compelling me i was definitely more interested in the sort of the 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 world building like you were talking about with the like what where is this going to lead um, than I was with the moment-to-moment interaction. But I thought they did a pretty decent job of like putting little puzzles in. And, like I felt rewarded by finding the code to that door that was locked and stuff like that. They also like, like have you read things by punching them. Yeah. <laughs> I, and it feels yeah, weird like, mean, to interact does, with an punch, NPC, punch you just punch does. out in the air, and it doesn't. they don't react. Yeah, it's not as though you're actually punching them. What uh, what door code did you solve? I don't think I. So in that the in the hub room, uh, there is, uh, so there's the door to the archives and there's the door to the kitchen. There's a door that's locked, and if you try to go into it, it um, brings up a little keypad, kind of. And you can you can find the code to that keypad elsewhere in the in the game. Oh. You get you get an achievement, well, Sherlock Duck, for for figuring it out. <laughs> Is that the best version of that pun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, Duck. Holmes, sure, sure, Duck Holmes. I feel like is maybe a little bit better. Yeah, sure, Flock. The posters were so good. I like. I could imagine buying one of those posters at real like at like room size at real life room size and putting that up because they were so funny and interesting yeah they're pretty good um man i i hope that there's like a patch to this that makes it easier because i like it it reminded me a lot of my experience of playing uh heroes quest quest for glory one because at oh, the time yeah. I had a computer that was so slow that the the like sort of third person over the shoulder very punch out like combat in that game was so sluggish to respond mm. and like by the time an enemy telegraphed a move it was too late for me to react to it like because of the speed of my computer and now that the same thing is happening but it's because of the speed of my old man ass brain and nervous system <laughs> and and also, I kind of feel like that's not entirely my fault with this game. Like, it's also not. All three of us got stuck on that. Yeah, no, Punch not... Out, like, Punch Out was really well tuned in terms of its animation, and all those characters were really readable, and I don't think these characters are particularly readable. The, the block duration and the dodge durations are really short, so you have to be really good about the timing on them, and that's it's just hard. I feel like that's the. It's probably also that they're just they're in the same situation we are where where updates to the to the PC version are stalled because they're working on the Switch version. Yeah, that could mm. be. That's I thought you I thought you were going to say they were in the same spot we were in that it is often difficult to differentiate things when it's limited to just black and white. Mm. Um which is 
certainly true. They, I think, kind of erred on the side of it not really mattering if a still image looks super good or legible. <laughs> like, there's a lot of big areas of, of blackness, and it's also, I guess they don't have the problem we have where a stick figure's body just completely disappears yeah. in front of a black <laughs> right. area. Um, because there's, you know, that duck is that duck is all swole, and so <laughs> there's some white interior to his muscular body. Uh, yeah. So thanks for finding this riff. Like that sure. was. I don't even yeah, remember how I found I... it. It was just a weird thing. I saw someone. I think we, all right, we just so have, you're we gonna have, have solidarity to... with all the other black and white game developers. You know, yeah. <laughs> you got to be. I don't think I want to do Aztez as, as an assignment, though. That no, one I, I it, was. Too, I found it also. That one, the tutorial, the tutorial was too hard for me. Yep, it just went. It like kept going on and on and on. And I was like, I am never going to be able to remember a third of these moves. So. We've all played Minute, right? Uh, we could do the Minute yes. second quest as the assignment. Uh, I don't think I want to play that either. Also, owing to my old man yeah. bad reflexes. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Let's play this new game that we know nothing about, including oh, what yeah. it's called. Riff it's, is the only person called, who knows what it's called. It's called Dios 2 Didia? Didia? If you, if you go on Steam and search for D-E-I-O-S, you'll see it. It's also on I, Is it a sequel to Dios 1? I, have, I, I didn't see a Dios 1 on, on Steam, so I have no idea. Like, that, like, like last week's assignment was the 11th in the series of Cybertunk. Cyber tunk bartender, cyber drunk, <laughs> cyber duck. Um, no thanks. That piece of software is bad. Oh, is that a real thing? But what? I use it. Yeah, cyber duck is a cyber duck is a file transfer client that supports uh, AWS's like file repository stuff that we use for for images and flat media and the windows client for that software is among the worst pieces of software i have ever used hmm. it's uh this doesn't happen to other people when they use it i don't know why but i've never been able to actually connect to our repository without copying and pasting the version of the password that chris moyer typed into slack like four years ago because if i type it it doesn't work <laughs> And if I copy and paste it from anywhere else, it doesn't work. Also, when I drag a file into Weird. the CyberDuck window to upload it, such as the episode of this podcast that I will be publishing via CyberDuck, it did. Did Chris locks set it up, up with like a weird invisible character in the password? That <laughs> I I don't I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It happens across multiple computers, and it's it's like weirdly consistent. Like just the, like. It's it's more like I figured out the spell that I have to cast <laughs> to connect to it rather than using the 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 product to do what it says that it does. So when I drag the file over into the directory, it like completely locks up the Windows file system. Like I can't look at the properties of another file. I can't open a directory. I can't do anything except like run programs that are already running in memory for 60 seconds until something times out. And then it actually uploads the file. Huh. It is bonkers. So you can't use like How, a different like, FTP client? 
there is almost no th this is super weird i do not understand that like so win scp which is a great open source file transfer client they refuse to add aws support because aws's protocol is not open right they could like okay. they, but they they have a, like an ideological opposition and i think that so do all of the other open source software like all of the open source uh, file transfer program developers just have this ideological opposition to the way that Amazon's repository works. And so there's only like two or three programs that let you do this at all. And they all are just fucking terrible. Um, there is like, I think the way that Chris, the KOL programmer uses it is he just does everything at the command line, which would work slightly better, but I just don't want to. And I also don't know if you can on Windows. Anyway, this has been the Cyberduck Minute with me, Zach, the guy who hates Cyberduck. I look forward to next week's Cyberduck Minute. So it looks like... You really want... you. It looks like Deus is a sequel to Deus album EP crown emoji Barch, which is $4 <laughs> on Itch.io. There is definitely, a, there is definitely an original Deus game. I saw. I found a review of it. On rock paper shotgun. So, is it a good review? Uh, it's a weird review. It's like sometimes a game looks so good that you don't even want to play it because you don't want to like distract yourself from what you think uh, the world of it could possibly be. Or something you don't like want to ruin your mind game. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna play both of these games, fellas. Whoa. Cool. I'm only gonna play one of them. And. <laughs> I'm going to play a bunch of other games, too, at ZapCon. Actually, maybe. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Typically, in recent years, what I've done is mostly just pick some weird NES game and played it for like a half hour or so so that I could talk about that. Um, so we'll see. Maybe I'll find some weird NES oddity. Cool. Our, uh, our moving to uh, recording earlier in the day has made it more difficult for me to remember to play the assignment. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah we'll see what happens because yeah because it used to be I, like I, i'd get up and on wednesday and we do the conference call and then i'd have a few hours that i could oh, oh shit i have to spend an hour playing this game but now we do it like either right after or instead of the conference call so it's like a yeah, shit this, you play the assignment like it usually takes like an hour for us to get to the assignment in the podcast you can play it during <laughs> oh, that <yeah>. time <laughs> You, I might also, I could recommend, uh, I've been getting up really early as a result of having been woken up at four o'clock by a scorpion uh, three <laughs> days ago and uh, then not being able to, well, not being willing to go back to sleep after that <laughs> happened uh, and thus shifting to an extremely early schedule. I woke up at 2 a.m. on Tuesday, I guess yesterday, uh, because I couldn't sleep because I was too freaked out about the fact that I hadn't finished filing my taxes yet. So I, huh. I got up and uh, did that. That seems like an unhealthy amount of diligence. Like I, the government doesn't care as much as you do. Uh, well, and it turns out I was owed a refund on both my state and local taxes, so it wouldn't have mattered when I filed because they don't they don't care. Uh, it's the only important thing. <laughs> yeah, they'll is, keep your is money you, for as long as they can. Exactly. The only important thing is if you owe them money, you don't want to be late. So. I, I also filed Melissa's taxes, and she did owe some money, so I saved her some late penalty fees or whatever. Well, life is unfair. 
I am surprised that you are willing to even entertain the possibility of being owed a refund. That doesn't seem like your style. I don't have much choice. I don't get to set the rates of withholding. Wait, yes, you do. No. It's it's huh. mandated. It's mandated. It's not. It's not a voluntary thing. By the by, the payroll company. Yeah. Like I don't set those that's, rates. That's weird. I, they must just go by default because when you get a job and fill out a in Arizona, a, a nine you can set or whatever. The, you can set the, the state rates, but you don't get to set the the federal rates. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. You don't get to set your federal withholding, huh? Yeah. And okay. there was there so, was never an option for California. But you can choose the number of you can you can lie about the number of dependents you have. Yeah, I was just about to uh, they don't, say, they like, don't I had care. accidentally done that. I had, um, when I worked at Rosart, they had me on file as having a, a child. And as a result, I got, like, when it came time to file taxes, there I was just about where I should have been. They didn't owe me money. I didn't owe them money. Yeah. I, and I think that you're allowed to just claim however many deductions or what, what do they call that? It's It's not just, like... It also it the number of dependents is one way of arriving at that number, but there's another word for it that starts with D that is actually what it's listed as on the on the thing on the form. But yeah, you're right. We never filled out those forms with the, with Quicken's payroll company. This is a fascinating segment of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what is our payroll and tax situation? That's the like? tax fraud section. <laughs> it's I don't think it's fraud, man. Everything is like I think technically, if you look at the laws, paying income tax is totally voluntary anyway. <laughs> Not in the Constitution, man. No way Bernie would make us do it. Are you anyway, saying I'm going to live in, go live in my in cargo container with forty other dudes? Yeah, anything that's not in the Constitution is not a law. The Constitution wow. doesn't say you can't murder people. Oh wait, the Constitution and the Ten Commandments. Those are the only laws that apply to me, man. <laughs> And then, you know, Asimov's Although, laws of robotics. <laughs> so that's true. I, th- I, I'm really thinking about, I'm thinking about uh, breaking that law about graven images because, like, <laughs> man, there's this, this fucking sick golden calf statue at the antique store down the road. <laughs> I mean, I can, and, you know. Is, is, is the law about graven image, images, uh, I mean, what about pornography? Those aren't you really think, would engraved. You yeah, would you describe well, pornographic you images as gra- graven? Modern, uh, modern uh, 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 not infrastructure, technology. Would you say an LCD screen counts as something being engraved, displaying it on that? I would say you could definitely describe a pornographic image as craven, but not graven. <laughs> so maybe it was just like just a speck of dust porn. landed on the sea. Yeah. Raven images. Mm. That's so Oh, they're raven. so cute. They'll drop nuts in the in the road and have the cars run over them, and they eat the nuts. Oh, nice, <laughs> gentlemen! Yes, I've had a fantastic time recording episode number three hundred ninety-nine of Video Games Hot Talk with you, <laughs> and I hope we do it again real soon. At which point, I'll get the number right. And listeners, I hope you'll join us. And if you do, you will. And if you don't, cockaboo boo balaya. Good time night. for emails. Have a great weekend, everybody. At Zapcon. Zapcon, Mesa Convention Center, April 21st, 22nd, I think. 